Good afternoon and welcome back to another episode of the Armchair Quarterbacks Podcast. This is your host, Nick Frampton. I know it's been a while since our last episode, probably like week 14 or 15 of last season. So I'm obviously the Ryan Fitzpatrick of this podcast ship, but I'm trying to be more consistent with it. Finish out the rest of this season, heading into the off season, draft season, next season, all that good stuff. We're going to start this episode with a wild card weekend recap. And it was indeed a wild, wild card weekend. The first matchup between the Buffalo Bills and Houston Texans. The Texans squeak out an overtime win against the Bills. This was a wild game from start to finish. I personally found it pretty entertaining. For some reason, bad coaching seems to lead to entertaining games for some reason. I'm not sure why, but I'm here for it. The Bills put together a really nice opening drive, which included a 40-yard QB keeper by Josh Allen and capped it off with a touchdown score off of a trick play, which led to John Brown throwing Josh Allen a touchdown to the left side of the end zone on almost like a Philly special type play. And it really looked promising for the Bills to start off the game, but that's not how it transpired over the course of it. That was actually the only touchdown the Bills ended up scoring in the entire game. So that touchdown was followed by one, two, three, four Stephen Hauschka field goals. And the funny thing is, at one point in the game, Josh Allen was the Bills' leading passer, rusher, and receiver in the game. And I always find the stats to be really intriguing for some reason. And that just goes to show the type of things that Josh Allen can do on a football field with his size and athleticism. But it remains to be seen if he can continue to do them consistently. But like I said, after that opening drive, which was a thing of beauty, the Buffalo Bills offense seemed to stall. They couldn't punch it into the end zone. could only put the ball through the uprights. And that's, at the end of the day, what led to them losing this game. That and Deshaun Watson making spectacular plays with his arm and legs, which he does week in and week out. And he's another guy who can seem to be pretty inconsistent. But I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line around him. He's constantly under duress, constantly having to use his legs, and he continues to make spectacular plays. I think Deshaun Watson is a good quarterback. And of course, having a receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, who can help bail you out in times of need, definitely helps. And speaking of DeAndre Hopkins, there was a lot of chatter between him and Tredavious White uh, before the game and even throughout the game. Uh, And it seemed like their game plan was to get him one-on-one with Tredavious White, which actually seemed to work in Hopkins' favor towards the end of the game. He ended up scoring that big touchdown, which helped them overcome that 16-point deficit in the second half which I think was also aided by the lack of coaching ability on the Buffalo Bills. I mean, there were times where I thought Devin Singletary should have been on the field in the game instead of Frank Gore. No disrespect to Frank Gore, but, I mean, this guy, Devin Singletary, was breaking tackles left and right, and he was really effective in this game, especially on, like, passing downs, and I just felt he should have been on the field a little more. And, I mean, Josh Allen towards the end of the game didn't really help the cause much either. I mean, when he tried to pitch that ball back to the tight end on that run, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's fun to watch, but man, that was a bonehead play in that situation. But, you know, you live by the sword and you die by the sword. Some of those plays, you know, if if you make them, you're a genius, and if they fail, then you're an idiot. But it's just one of those things, and that's one of the things, I think, that makes Josh Allen fun to watch. And another cool story in this game was it was J.J. Watt's first game back, and he actually had a huge sack that was impactful in the game and helped him overcome that 16-point deficit as well. That That was cool to see. But the play of the game was obviously when Deshaun Watson evaded the sack, found Taiwan Jones on the outside who took it 35 yards, 
up the field and led to the game-winning field goal in overtime. I mean, Micah Hyde has Deshaun Watson dead to rights on the safety blitz from the outside with a wide-open, clean shot on him, and Deshaun Watson just absorbs the contact from him as well as the defensive end on the other side, escapes, hits Taiwan Johnson on the run, who takes it again up the field 35 yards and sets up the game-winning field goal. I mean, this is an absolutely incredible play by Deshaun Watson, the type of play he's made throughout his entire career at Clemson and now in Houston with the Texans. And now Deshaun Watson and the Texans head over to Arrowhead next week and take on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the divisional round. I can't wait for that one. And now on to the second matchup of AFC wildcard Saturday, the Tennessee Titans at the New England Patriots. Mike Vrabel facing off again against his old head coach, Bill Belichick. Vrabel's Titans beat Belichick's Patriots 20-13, which now makes, what, Vrabel 2-0 against Belichick and eliminating the Patriots from the playoffs, snapping their substantial home winning streak. Now, I wasn't too surprised by the outcome of this game, although I did pick the Patriots to win, thinking they'd squeak it out at the end with a field goal or something like that. But Vrabel seems to have Belichick's number, and it's no easy task going into Foxborough and winning a game in any regard, whether it be the playoffs, regular season, whatever. But it makes it even more impressive that it was in a playoff game. And I know the Patriots' offense hasn't looked quite the same as it has in years past. I just thought maybe, you know, they were holding something back until the playoffs or they would just click into playoff mode, you know, playoff Brady. But maybe this really is the end of an era. Maybe it really is the end of the Patriots dynasty. Who knows? That remains to be seen until next year if Brady even comes back. But as of now, I mean, a lot of things are up in the air, and the Titans came through and absolutely outplayed them. I mean, Derrick Henry is a man on a mission. 34 carries, 182 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, this dude is just killing it right now he's looking like Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama Derrick Henry although I still think he robbed Christian McCaffrey of that Heisman but hey that's a whole nother story he's looking like the Derrick Henry of old and I think that played a huge role in this game and I think that plays a huge role in this run that the Titans are on it's elevating the play of Ryan Tannehill it's sustaining drives and it's elevating the play of the Titans overall and that's why they're doing what they're doing and where they are where they are right now which is headed to Baltimore to face MVP frontrunner Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, where their run will likely end, but we'll save that for next week on the Divisional Round preview episode. But there's really not much else to say about this Titans-Patriots game other than what has already been said. The Patriots look like a shell of themselves, especially on the offensive side, and that showed on Saturday. Uh, the Patriots get the ball back at the 1 after a really nice punt by the Titans. Brady has 15 seconds to go upfield and try to score to win the game, but instead he throws a pick 6 to Logan Ryan to seal the game and hit the over. Now, on to NFC Wildcard Sunday. Minnesota Vikings at New Orleans Saints. The Vikings pull off the upset in New Orleans, which I did not see coming at all. I actually had the Saints as my Super Bowl pick in my playoff bracket. The game started off with a turnover on the opening drive on a fumble by Adam Thielen, recovered by the Saints, which led to them going down the field and scoring the opening points, which was a Will Lutz field goal. The Vikings defense did a surprisingly good job. I guess surprisingly is a bad word. I mean, they were one of the top teams in sacks this year, and a sack actually on third down is what led to them holding them to a field goal. So, Yeah, they also did a really good job on Alvin Kamara, who 
had an off year, in my opinion. I really expected a lot out of Alvin Kamara this year. I think he's one of the better backs in the league. His center of gravity and how he keeps his balance and holds himself up and absorbs contact is really exciting to watch. But Taysom Hill was actually their leading rusher in this game, the enigma, I call him, who only had four carries for 50 yards but still was their leading rusher, which goes to show how bottled up Kamara was in this game. Now, Taysom Hill is one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. I mean, this dude is absolutely exciting. He can do anything. He plays running back. He plays quarterback. He can play receiver. He plays gunner on kickoffs and punts. It's really exciting the things this guy does in all facets of the game. And I'm really hoping the league starts to trend more towards positionless players in the NFL, like like Taysom Hill or uh, Jalen Samuels on the uh, Steelers, who can play running back, tight end, receiver. I think... If the league starts to have more players like this, um, it'll be a lot more exciting to watch. And I think teams are going to start to gravitate more towards this once they see how effective it can be throughout games. I mean, because Taysom Hill really kept the Saints alive in this game with multiple plays. I mean, that deep throw he made to um, Deontay Harris. I mean, now I don't think he can be an every down starting quarterback in this league like a lot of people do. Like, I'm not that high on him. But I think he can continue to do what he does throughout the game and be effective on their offense and being a gadget player. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, I truly believe, I think, can be a star in this league. I think the Saints should maybe give him a chance moving forward once the Breeze era is done, which who knows when that's going to be exactly, but that's besides the point. Let's get back to the game. The Saints forced overtime on a Will Lutz field goal, who actually missed a field goal earlier in the game, which could have won them this game, honestly, but to overtime we go, and Kirk Cousins, of all people, steps up on the big stage and puts together a nice game-winning drive. He dropped an absolute dime to Adam Thielen, which set up the game-winning touchdown throw to Kyle Rudolph. Now, this was a somewhat controversial play. There was lots of hand fighting, and honestly, by definition, what Kyle Rudolph did was a push-off. I mean, he fully extended his arm, the elbow locked, which in the rule book is the definition of a push-off, but I mean, there was lots of hand fighting. If you slow it down, it looks a lot worse than it is like it always does in slow-mo, but in, even in real time, you can see that Kyle Rudolph locks that elbow and extends that arm, so this honestly could have gone either way. I'm not mad that it wasn't called, but I'm also not mad. Oh, I wouldn't have been mad if it was called. Uh, I think, I guess they got it right. I don't know. It seems like there's always something in these playoff games for the Saints that involved with the refs that goes the opposite way for them. But, I mean, it is what it is. Don't leave the game in the hands of the refs and you won't have that problem. So, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings prove the doubters wrong. Go in and get this upset win over the Saints and now... They head over to San Francisco next week to take on Jimmy G and the 49ers. Now on to the fourth and final game of Wild Card Weekend. Seattle Seahawks at Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks pull off the dub 17-9. The Eagles were only able to score three Jake Elliott field goals in the game, which likely had a lot to do with Carson Wentz going down early on what some would call a cheap shot by Jadavian Clowney on Carson Wentz, kind of drove, hit him late, drove his head into the ground, caused him to have a concussion and leave the game. But even with 40-year-old Josh McCown, I thought the Eagles put up a really good fight, and I think this is a testament to how good of, or how good their coaching staff is. I mean, once again, Doug Peterson overcomes adversity and has to go in there with the backup quarterback and has his team ready to go regardless of the circumstances. I mean, he's playing with wide receivers that were on practice squads or off the street. I mean, they're missing, th- what, three of their starting receivers? Deshaun Jackson, 
Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey, yet they still made this a competitive game, even with a 40-year-old backup quarterback. But it obviously wasn't enough to pull off the win in the playoffs. Um, Some would say that the Eagles seemed to fight a little harder and play a little better without Carson Wentz. I mean, it's hard to say if they would have won this game without him. I mean, that's a hypothetical situation there. But, I mean, they obviously have done it before. They went and won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles as their starter once Carson Wentz went down. But the Seahawks got the win. Uh, The first touchdown was scored by Marshawn Lynch, of all people. He's back with the Seahawks now, which I love to see this. I mean, anytime Marshawn Lynch is in the league and playing in a game, the NFL is much better. But Russell Wilson was still their leading rusher with nine carries and 45 yards. Um, They really couldn't get the running game going all that much, but they damn sure got the passing game going. I mean, DK Metcalf exploded for seven catches, 140 yards, and a touchdown, and that touchdown was really nice. Deep ball, he extends, catches it with basically his fingertips, falls to the ground, but he's untouched, gets up, and goes and scores the touchdown. I mean, this guy, honestly, in the draft, I wasn't too high on him. I thought him going in the second round was about right. He didn't really look like a first-round receiver to me, and obviously to 32 teams in the NFL. But his size and speed is something that obviously you want to take a gamble on because it's unique. We haven't really seen much like it other than guys like um, Calvin Johnson, even though there are a couple other guys around the league like Hakeem Butler and Nikhil Harry on the Patriots who have similar body styles and playing styles who I'd really like to see more of um, next year. I think they can become good receivers in the NFL and start to be more effective like DK Metcalf is right now. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks coaching staff has done a really good job with him to bring out the, you know, the best in him. Like they honestly have in years past. I mean, they've made a lot of, I don't want to say mediocre, but a lot of no-name guys have had, you know, good seasons and made big plays for this team. They got Curse and Doug Baldwin. And honestly, I don't think Tyler Lockett would be as impactful on, on another team. I don't know if it's Russell Wilson elevating the play of these guys, if the coaching staff is doing a good job, but I don't know. Seattle seems to always uh, bring out the best and make the best of their wide receiver corps. So uh, they get the win and head to Green Bay next week. I can't wait for that game. Uh, Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers, that should be, that should be a really good one. Um, I'm going to go with the Packers at home to win that game still, but I still think it's going to be a good one. Russell Wilson always makes games competitive. So we'll see. Now that's wild card weekend wrapped up. We're going to head into some other news around the league. Uh, The Redskins make a head coaching decision by signing Ron Rivera to a multi-year deal, as well as Jack Del Rio being their defensive coordinator, which honestly I like this move by the Redskins. I mean, Ron Rivera is a proven winner. Uh, He gets his team prepared to play every week can bring the best out in a quarterback like he did Cam Newton. I'm hoping he can do that for Dwayne Haskins. I think Dwayne Haskins is extremely talented. Even though I'm a Cowboys fan, I do want to see him do well in the league because I think that he can, and I like him. Um, Jack Del Rio is D.C., another veteran guy, lots of experience. I think he can maybe bring the best out of this defense. And they're likely going to draft Chase Young at that number two spot. So we'll have Montez Sweat on one side, Chase Young on the other side. That should you know, put them in a really good position. So we'll see what they're able to do. And the biggest news of the week, the Dallas Cowboys signed Mike McCarthy to be their head coach on a five-year deal. Uh, They got Mike Nolan as the defensive coordinator. Now, as a fan, I don't necessarily love this decision at head coach, but I also don't hate it. I personally wanted a younger guy, but anything has got to be better than Jason Garrett at this point, so I really can't complain. I'm just not exuberant. 
over it like I would have been for a Lincoln Riley or Urban Meyer or something like that. But he is a proven winner after all. He's got 10 playoff wins since 06, which is second most behind Belichick and tied with John Harbaugh, who was another great coach. And he obviously has that huge Super Bowl win, just like those guys as well. And Green Bay, has, his Green Bay Packers actually, have been the Cowboys' kryptonite. So maybe McCarthy could be their Superman and come save the day. We'll see. But one of my fears is that he can be known to abandon the run game, which is obviously a strong point for the Cowboys and crucial to some of their success. Um, but also, I don't want to see, you know, HB dives on third and long. Or, you know, I hate, I can't stand when it's third and long and they either run the ball or throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage or even short of the sticks. Like, I, I just, I'm so over this old school approach. And I think that's one of the big things the Cowboys were missing and, and needed was to get out of that old school approach and, and not be stuck in their ways and take on a f- some fresh ideas. Like some of these younger guys like Lincoln Riley, Cliff Klingsbury, you know, you know, guys like that who are bringing, you know, fresh ideas, almost like, like Kellen Moore, like Kellen Moore is or could be. I mean, he did have the highest, you know, number one ranked offense. I think a lot of that had to do with yards coming in garbage time. But I did see... You know, a little bit of creativity here and there. I don't think he had full creative control in the offense. I think Jason Garrett had his hands in there a little bit, like Tony Romo even said on the broadcast. He sees a lot of Jason Garrett's fingerprints in this offense when Kellen Moore is supposed to be the offensive coordinator. I'm hoping that they keep Kellen Moore on the staff and give him full creative control. That would, I think that would be good for the Cowboys. I think being less predictable and throwing more on first down would be good for them as well. I'm hoping Kellen Moore can bring some of that to the table. So, like I said, I don't necessarily love it, but I also don't necessarily hate it. And one of the things that makes me feel a little better about it is I found this cool little video segment that Tom Pilicero did on Mike McCarthy and what he's been doing in his off time all this time. He's been um, forming a coaching staff and meeting up with them every week and going over schemes and keeping up with the league to stay prepared for his next opportunity. And it's just a really, really good segment and really dives into, you know, what he's trying to do um, and how he's preparing for his next opportunity. And one of the things he focused on is that he likes to focus on the quarterback position. And he did, you know, have Aaron Rodgers in his prime. Did he have a lot to do? With how well Aaron Rodgers played and elevating his play, I'm not really sure. I mean, Aaron Rodgers hasn't really looked the same since, you know, they were on that, you know, great run that they had. So maybe maybe it goes hand in hand. Maybe it was 60 Aaron Rodgers, 40 Mike McCarthy. I don't know. But if he can elevate Dak Prescott's play, even in the slightest, who I think, you know, Dak is already playing at a really high level. If Mike McCarthy can take him to that next level and get him playing on a Rodgers-like level, I mean, that would be... That would be excellent for the Cowboys. And in that segment, you know, he focused a lot on the quarterback position, which I think is a good thing for for a head coach. And that and that makes me a little bit excited about, you know, what the Mike McCarthy era in Dallas could bring. So, like I said, I don't love it. I don't hate it. Um, anything is better than Jason Garrett. I'm just glad that we finally moved on from him. And, you know, I'm excited for what the future holds. So I guess we'll see. So that's uh, the episode. I appreciate you guys listening. I'll be back in a couple days to preview the divisional round and maybe some more breaking news and my takes on that. So thank you for listening and have a good one. See ya.